Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, indeed. Let's find out and let's uh, get to uh, our guest this morning on the bulletin. And that is uh, Alex Chapman, of course, uh, well-known in media circles. And uh, Chappie, uh, first of all, uh, what do you make of the jersey? Are you impressed? Uh, is it a bit of a fizzer for you? How do you see it? I love how wound up people get by jerseys. Like, yeah, it's not an All Blacks jersey by the, the um, traditional sense but the fact that people are like oh no because we've got this jersey it's going to be 2007 all over again yeah like if you're that set in your mindset about how clothing affects performance then you probably shouldn't watch sport to be honest it's interesting isn't it uh, the depth they've gone to um it used to be pretty basic thing let's uh, get some material um pretty strong material um, make it black, um, put some white numbers on the back of it, and let's go. With maybe, with a, maybe with a sponsorship logo on the front. Uh, but all this designing, it's been in the pipeline for ages. We've gone to France to get it done. It, I mean, to understand it, you have to read a book about it. Uh, I actually want the All Blacks to do what the Warriors were doing for a while, where they have like, a new jersey every two or three weeks, just purely for my stick. Um, fascination with the public outrage that there would be over the jerseys. If they just changed the jersey, like, every series, I, I'd just lie back and, and sit and laugh, I think, because you know, like, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a jersey, right? Like, it, it's it's how you perform in that jersey, and if the jersey gives you any sort of performance advantage in terms of, like, blood flow or muscle cramping or anything like that, then you utilise that, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that they've gone to a French designer to design the All Blacks jersey when there's a chance that France are the ones who bundle the All Blacks out of the World Cup, isn't it? It's ironic. But <laughs> hey, the, the, the World Cup's been played in France, so it probably makes sense in that way. If that's the case, they'll probably sell pretty much better in France than they do here. Um, yeah, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> Chappie, let's, let's look at press conferences, uh, press conferences and who yeah. should be there. Uh, quite a bit made of uh, Sam Kane not fronting up the other night in Hamilton. Ian Foster, his uh, all-black coach, uh, actually saying, look, it was a, a breakdown in communication more than anything else. He was quite willing and able to go. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. How, how did you see it from a journalistic point of view? From a journalistic point of view, I found it fascinating the, the public outrage that there's been towards the media for pain, painting Sam Kane in a bad light. The reason that this came to air, the, the reason that this was put in the public domain was because Clayton McMillan, and, and I have to be careful the, the way I word this because I wasn't there and I've heard all of this secondhand, but what I have heard firsthand is Clayton McMillan walking into his press conference and saying, just me today, guys, uh, I think it was... There's, there's a lot of public, uh, there's a lot of hurt in that changing room right now. And so as a result of that, Sam Kane didn't front, Brad Weber didn't front. We've since heard from both Ian Foster and Sam Kane that it was in fact Blake McMillan's decision to go into the press conference by himself, a decision which Sam Kane says he wasn't consulted on. He, he only found out about it after Clayton McMillan then had already fronted press. So 
I mean, a little bit of miscommunication, and I don't know who, who that's on, if that's on Clayton McMillan, if that's on Sam Kane, if that's on their media manager, the fact that they allowed Clayton McMillan to walk in without Sam Kane, whether Clayton McMillan even told the media manager he was going to walk in without Sam Kane, who, who knows? But it's been, yeah, so very interesting to see the, the public backlash at journalists for painting Sam Kane in a bad light. Sam Kane has every reason to be annoyed, I think, because of how he has been painted, but that's not on the media. That's, if he has an issue with it, he should be taking it up with Clayton McMillan, because Clayton McMillan's the one who walked in and said that Sam Kane wouldn't be turning up. And by all accounts, Sam Kane was then standing there waiting to find out when he would be fronting press. So uh, to, to answer your, your question, Smitty, the coaching captain should always front, as far as I'm concerned. The, the only um, exception to that is what I like with Brendan McCullum, where he says if England win, he doesn't tend to front. Uh, and, and if England lose, he will front, and he lets the players make it about themselves, which is probably a healthier way rather than the coach saying, no, I'm, I'm going to protect you all. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think there's an expectation there, although having said that, um, what you sometimes get out of uh, winning or losing captains is you could probably rewrite, uh, pre-write before they even walk in there, uh, Alex, uh, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, Baz uh, will be an interesting one because at this stage... It's not looking like his uh, press conference after Lord's early days, early days. Uh, he might be tuned all down, though, and he might not like the press conference coming up because the British press don't mind uh, making a scapegoat of someone. And all of a sudden, Baz Ball, uh, which he did not like the term anyway, Baz, um, is starting to become a bit of an ugly word. I think, oh, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that was the worst day of Baz Ball. The England were woeful, weren't they? When that drone shot went over Lords and I saw the, the overheads and how green the pitch was and then Stokes won the toss and said, we'll have a bowl. I, I genuinely clenched my fist with excitement. Very few things to me excite me more in sport than skillful swing bowling in favourable conditions. And that's why James Anderson has been so successful and why he is such a master. But Australia blew them off the park and, and back into the long run, to be honest. England, yeah, they had those little moments of brilliance. The two wickets that uh, Josh Tung got were, were absolute seeds. That one to get David Warner in particular and Robinson's delivery to get Manus. But there, there just weren't enough of those deliveries on middle stump, off stump, fourth stump that were probing, that were making the Aussies play. And to be honest, England just really... They, they lacked discipline. They dropped catches. They bowled no balls. And there just seemed to be a real lack of intensity at times. So the players in that dressing room have talked about how relaxed and fun and everything is as well. And they're, they're walking around with smiles on their faces, but they seemed a bit too relaxed. They seemed a bit too nice. Yeah, every time the foot hovered over the throat, so they lifted it and they allowed Australia to breathe again. And... The most commanding period for England, to be honest, was when Johnny Biesto picked up that protester and tossed him like a mannequin in a clothes store. That, that was the only time that England really had assertion on day one. I, I rewatched the, the Ben Stokes documentary the other day, which is really good if people haven't seen it. And the likes of Root and Broad are talking about how Ben Stokes is the most hardworking and competitive person that they've ever played with. And... Why isn't everyone else playing like that? Like, this is professional cricket. This is the ashes. This is the pinnacle for Australian and English cricketers. And, and what were very advantageous conditions for England, they, they were underwhelming. They've still got match winners, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not writing them off. 
but man, I hope this doesn't get ugly because all of a sudden, right, I think I said to you, England 2-1, all of a sudden this could turn into Australia 5-0. Oh, we're starting to all sound like Glenn McGrath, aren't we? Uh, well, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, my godfathers, I'd hate to. I would hate to be Baz. I don't care how much you're getting paid, but if they lost at five, no, I would hate to be Baz. Right, uh, let's look at yeah. um, an expected victory tonight, uh, shall we? And it might well be comfortable, it might not. It's the Black Ferns back in action and the Pack 4 for the Laurie O'Reilly Cup against Australia in particular. Uh, under Alan Bunting. What are we expecting here, Chappie? I, I mentioned in a story the other day that this is the dawn of a new era into women's rugby, and I think it is because we had that excitement, that furore, that, that new peak of interest in the women's game with the World Cup, and there's no arguing about that. That, that, was, that was a new peak um, in, in women's rugby in New Zealand. Now it's about them continuing to to ride that wave of public interest, to keep those fans engaged. And there's a lot of pressure on this team. Like speaking to Ruhe Demanza and Alan Bunting the other day, they're going to continue to play the way that they did during the World Cup. And that's great because that's what drew in those new fans. It's that open style of play. It's running rugby. It's high pace. It's high intensity. But it's also now about delivering those consistent results. They have to keep on winning because... Man, we love jumping on a bandwagon in this country, eh? and as soon as that bandwagon starts to get a little bit rocky, a little bit bumpy, then most people who have jumped on will jump off. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the style of play that they played and hearing from the likes of Ruahe's man and Kennedy Simons and those new players that, that are coming in. Um, Alan Bunting is just instilling them with, with confidence, similar to, to what Brendan McCallum did with England. Uh, but now it's a matter of them going out on the field. And, yeah, you're right, they, they should absolutely roll over Australia. But the last couple of times that New Zealand has played Australia, Australia start, started really, really well. Um, and New Zealand's clawed their way back into it. So, yeah, they, they need to just continue winning, to be honest. Here's something just uh, a bit weird to finish. And I knew nothing about this, but uh, I believe it's true. Elon Tesla Musk versus Mark Meta Zuckerberg, rumoured for UFC 300. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this will ever come about, but uh, if it did, would you tune in? I mean, how long would it last and what would it look like? I wouldn't pay for it, but I'd watch it. And, and hey, if they do, good on them if they have a crack. And to be honest, with all of the delivery fights that we have nowadays, this is probably the most intriguing one. Like, I'd much rather watch those two go at it than a... a bunch of or a couple of youtubers that i've never heard of and yeah that probably makes me sound like angry man yelling at clouds but i mean that, that's what the ufc does well isn't it that's that's why dana white's had so much success as as a promoter and as a businessman is because he seizes those or sees and seizes those opportunities where he can capitalize on, on money and and of public interest as well like People want to see two, with all due respect to them, two nerds go at it in the cage. Like, that will draw in people. As someone that doesn't watch a massive amount of USC, that would draw me in <laughs> rather than a, a low, a low-key, low-tier USC fight, to be honest. So, you know, based purely on what I've just said, then, yeah, Dana White's doing his job. It would work. It would draw people in. Would I get super fizzed about it? No. Would I look at the TAB odds and have a punt? Yes. Would I watch it? Yes. So... Yeah, bring it on. Why not? 
He's a genius, that, uh, that uh, Dana White, I can tell you. He gets anyone to fight for him and he gets the money for it. Hey, Chappie, uh, thanks very much for your observations this morning. Have a terrific day. Enjoy the cricket tonight. Easy. Anytime, sir.